0: in a time where dissenting voices are silenced, suppressed, and deleted. This is your place to hear the raw, real truth about what's going on in this crazy world and how you can hold your power and thrive in life through it all. Here, we cut through the BS big tech censorship to bring you what you really need to hear to help you remember the infinite potential and power that you hold. From spiritual connection, to natural health remedies, history and corruption, to mindset manifestation, and so much more this is the place to hear the truth and to be inspired welcome to the uncensored truth podcast with me dr seth gerlach in this episode we speak with dr brad campbell you may know him from seeing him on instagram with his morning drive to work or his funny memes in this episode we talk about some of the big things he sees with adrenals and thyroid he was actually one of the first people to to do pre and post testing on people that took the COVID vaccine, and you'll be shocked to hear the results. And um, We talk about how logic is fast, science is slow, and what that means for the medical industry. And also, he gives you tons of practical tips so you can get on the right track for health right now. Enjoy. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We've got a special one today. My friend, Dr. Brad Campbell is in the house.
1: How are you doing today? Great. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Seth. I've known you for, I think, like almost a decade now. That's crazy. A
0: while. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Or, or so the saying goes.
1: <laughs> or just very busy working, doing life. That's very true. We yeah. took
0: some of the same classes back in the day. We have some of the same degrees. We've spoken on stage together. Yeah. It's, it's honor to just do this thing alongside you, man. So if you don't know Dr. Brad, he's a unique physician, author, speaker, musician. Would you play your saxophone, right? Yeah. right yeah. big idea, yeah, I think.
1: Man. Health freedom.
0: Uh, he, he is uh, the only physician to ever to be com- have completed 10 natural healthcare degrees, um, giving him a unique way of viewing the big picture perspective of health conditions. So Dr. Campbell runs an integrative clinic just north of Chicago, where he works with in-person and virtual patients structurally, chemically, and emotionally to reveal the root causes of their health concerns. Online, he is Robin Hooding healthcare back to the masses, giving away daily health info for free. And we do love that about you, Doc. Thanks for coming on. And you've yeah. been deleted how many times?
1: Two officially. And then I was basically shadow banned for a year and a half where people couldn't tag me.
0: Yes. Same, man. Same. Yeah. I think every pretty much every person I've had on this podcast, yes, they've been deleted. Yep. And I think that's why I wanted to create this podcast of like, hey, we need to follow the silenced because they have something to say that I think it's very important. So we sure. appreciate uh, all that you've done, man. And so one of your degrees is Adapcy, right? Yep, And we share that distinction. Can you just explain people what that is and how you use that?
1: Yeah. I tell patients it's like a deeper level of awareness, diagnosis, and testing to like really get to the root cause. Cause a lot of doctors will like say, yes, we get to the root cause, but when you're really doing labs on almost every patient or all of your patients, you can really find out for sure on a deeper level, what's truly going on. So there's a lot of Docs out there who like do functional medicine or go to medical school and then do a functional medicine training for a couple weekends. And they don't have quite as much experience, but the DAPSE training gives you 26 different weekends and then board written and practical board exams and like really good mentors and elder docs to learn from. And a lot of the functional medicine community is like in its infancy, whereas the who has been around for a long time. So you get a lot more guidance, I would say, and just like practical training and how to manage functional medicine patients and really diagnosing what the most common conditions are and working as more of a primary care physician than a lot of docs who get out of school are. So you get a really broad level of training. And I think it's what grounds a lot of functional medicine practitioners is like their ability to diagnose things. And a lot of times it's really easy just to say like, oh, it's just your gut or it's just like you need iron or you just have a methylation issue. But it's like really nice to have the data to actually back it up and prove it to people.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you were running tests on vaccinated people. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Years so ago. it oh. happened by chance. We had a patient come in for their yearly blood work. We do like a full panel with a lot of cardiovascular particle size, cholesterol particle size, and then heart inflammatory markers. And the lab called us that this patients might need to go to the hospital because their results were that extreme. Whoa. Their HSCRP was over 30. Their homocysteine was high. Their liver enzymes were in the really sky high range. Their NT pro BNP, their heart pumping stress was super up. So they're like, I don't know what's happening. They might be having a heart attack or a stroke or a blood clot. You should probably call them and check on what's going on. Called the patient. They're like, I feel totally fine. And we're like, well, what did you do in the last week? And they're like, well, I got my COVID shot. Hmm. And they were one of the 20% of women that had the limb swelling in that same-sided arm. So they clearly had like an immune response, an immune inflammatory response to the COVID vaccine, and they were basically getting heart damage but they were completely asymptomatic, which was the scariest thing that any of us couldn't have predicted was that like a lot of the people who got the COVID shot would be damaged, but have zero awareness of it. So then I started doing blood work on people before and after getting their COVID shot and found that the vast majority of people who did get their COVID shot had some level of inflammatory heart reaction or response to it, but were completely asymptomatic. Really the only people who were symptomatic, were often months or a year later, they would notice the myocarditis with extreme exercise. And it was usually the younger men, like 15 to 30 year old men. And we've ran some EKGs on that come back abnormal. So I've been trying to help some of those men with some of the chronic heart condition that a lot of the medical community just tells them like, you're fine because like we do an echocardiogram or the EKGs abnormal, but like we can't find anything directly wrong. You're a young adult, there shouldn't be any problem but they just sort of get gaslighted by the traditional cardiology community.
0: Oh, imagine that, right? What percentage of people who you tested in your clinic who took the vaccine had abnormal labs after the fact,
1: would you say? It was 80%. Gotcha. Wow. Which was frightening, honestly. That's a
0: huge number. And then what other symptoms? So most were asymptomatic though? or did other people have symptoms no. that they came in with?
1: Everybody who I did the research on was asymptomatic. Wow. So what's your yeah.
0: theory? Do you theorize like spike proteins accumulating and causing endothelial damage, inflammation or, wh- or what? Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. Yeah, I think it was just like the excess spike protein that almost everybody seemed to have, but a lot of people just don't notice it. You can't be like, oh yeah, I feel the spike protein in my heart today. Like right. you just our body awareness is not that profound. So I think it was probably the excess spike production from the vaccine. Like it was doing the job it was meant to do. But the downside was it was creating the spike protein, which is the most damaging part of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, if that's how you see it. Yep. But I think that's probably it causing irritation to the cardiovascular system and the endothelium.
0: In the, the theory, and at least Dr. McCullough talks about this, where the more boosters you're getting, you're, you're amplifying this every single time. And so the immune hit becomes greater and greater every time. Have you followed up with some of these people now we're years into this?
1: Only the ones who are like the younger male athletes that were getting more symptomatic. I have had many of the patients who have returned and they're generally doing better. But the ones who I did the lab testing on have stopped getting boosters. Sure. And now like, you know, only like 17, 19% of the country wants to get another COVID booster, which is kind of a win, I guess, for like humanity. But... Those 17, 19% are probably not our patients because they're right. generally educated on the downsides. For sure.
0: And I go back to Dr. McCullough. He was theorizing, I think, that some, just some of the actual groups of vaccines were shown to be problematic. But then yes. your data is showing that maybe most of them are eliciting somewhat of an inflammatory response, but who yeah. knows how long it lasts. It's right. wild. What a crazy time. And Pfizer, pfizers I just saw yesterday their stock is way down, like to the lowest, it's been in a very long time. Yep. And I saw, I think 2% of people have gotten the updated shot so far.
1: That's nice. People were lied to. And, um, if you say that on social media, you'll get a post censored or deleted. Like my most recent one that got deleted was basically saying that it was like, whatever side you're on, you basically can agree that the government mishandled the pandemic. And that to some degree we were lied to. And like, whenever I say the lied to thing is one thing that get flagged because they just don't want to admit that there was any malintent or Mm -hmm. choosing profit over truth.
0: Yeah. And now they're like, oh, we didn't know. We never forced you. We were just trying to help. Yeah. Right. So I know on IG, you've been deleted multiple times and you share a lot of like funny stuff mixed in with like stuff that helps people. Yeah. What have you seen? Because you're blown up on Instagram now the past like three months. like. What's been behind that? And like, how does, how do you deal with Instagram stuff all the time? So you're on it all the time.
1: I don't know. I just post and coast. I think <laughs> I learned that from Joe Rogan. Once he mentioned that you just post and leave. Like I'm on there probably like less than five minutes a day now. Oh, I sort wow. of like check DMs from people I know. And I would record myself like driving to work. I'll post that if once a month, usually when I'm on a plane, I'll just take the plane time and make 30 memes. I'll just like batch create a bunch of memes, so I'll post those later when I feel like it's fitting for what the world is going through. But I just film myself driving to work, talking about whatever people are asking about, and that's a couple of times a week. I'll do a live or a little Q and A on the stories, but the algorithm has become much more like TikTok. So the people who have bigger accounts are getting somewhat not penalized, but it doesn't mean as much anymore because like any account can have a post go viral. So what I've had to do is try to do posts that help people less and create posts that go viral more Mm -hmm. and then put all the actual healing information like you're doing soon in a private membership because the ones that actually help people don't get one one hundredth the level of traction of the ones that are like a silly child or some triggering like fear-based, aggressive-based, funny, but like division-based meme.
0: But you do a very good job of that, of sprinkling that in, and it's not fearful or divisive when you present yeah. that
1: way. So I try not to, you know, yeah, it's like I mean, you got to like just edge people just a little bit to be like, whoa. And then they're like, okay, I, he's not that crazy. He's actually trying to bring people together, but you got to just like catch their attention right. first.
0: Oh, shit, there is fluoride in the water I like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you always say logic is fast, science is slow. Do you want to explain that?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it. When you have to make a quick decision on no real evidence or data and people are too stressed out to trust their gut, you basically have to trust what you can reason with or use some rationality or logic. And for us, that goes back to sort of like our medical training and the medical logic we've learned and the different philosophy that we're imbibed with and our values and things like that. So I think science takes decades to prove something and that sometimes longer and it also often takes decades to course correct once they find out that a mistake has been made. Dr. Fauci was saying in the meeting, like it takes at least seven years, probably 12 years to make a vaccine good enough for the general public to be like willing to take it or for it to be effective and safe. And then they come around and say like, nope, this is 100% safe and effective. They're going to like silence anybody who's not saying that. And so I think there was a lot of illogical stuff done by the government or by mainstream health doctors during the pandemic that contradicted the past hundred years of medical science and logic. That's why I would say like logic is fast, science is slow, because it's going to take years of research to find out what the long-term effects of even something like as simple as a COVID shot is. And then it's also going to take years after that for there to be court trials and legal cases and admit there's a problem. The classic example of that is diethylstilbestrol D-E-S, which basically was a fertility drug, a synthetic estrogen form that was really effective. It helped women get pregnant. The problem is that their kids and their grandkids were then infertile most of the time. So it took decades to figure out that, oh, this one little thing that was really powerful was effective, but it had disastrous side effects. And then once they actually found that out and admitted that was happening, it took another 17 to 19 years to actually pull it off the market. So it's just because science and the FDA approves it, that might be a generally good thing, but it's definitely not. Okay, this product is perfectly safe and effective.
0: Well, I look at Viox, and there's the, the list goes on and on with all yeah. the stuff out there. At one point, conventional doctors advocated for smoking. Sugar was a big thing. And now we're in this realm of EMFs and this toxicity soup of all this stuff. And it's what do we really know? And I think it was, I can't remember, I've heard this data, 17 years it takes from an idea to get through like the published literature and then back out to conventional medicine actually using it or something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think that's where you and I and and people in our community do use our brains a little bit more and be like, hey, this may not like it hasn't been published in a peer review paper yet, but this makes sense,
1: right? The way the body works. We can't wait 17 years to get healthier. It's, even 17 years ago, vitamin D, probiotics, B12 were basically like doctors told them that's just like expensive pee. Like, why would you spend money on that? And now it's like one of the most popular things that medical doctors actually test for, which is good, but it just takes 20 plus years for medicine to catch up to what's actually working sometimes.
0: And when I hear that too, I always think back to what's been around tried and true forever and things like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and natural shamanic healers and even things like homeopathy and like back to what humans have used here forever. I mean, conventional medicine, it's fairly new. It's a hundred years or so old and um, done a lot of damage in that time too. It's done some good, but I think it's done some damage if you look at it. Do Do you use herbs or anything along those lines too?
1: Yeah, I use some Chinese herbs, use a bunch of Western herbs, supplements, homeopathic, even like flower essences so sometimes, whatever that's actually going to work. Like the research of our practices is based on like the science of what elder practitioners have told us works. And then we experiment with it. We're literally doing like science in real time, find what works and doesn't work. And basically just do whatever gets the best results for your patients. To me, that's like the ultimate science of medicine is balancing the art and the evidence to basically what are we going to do to help people as much as possible for
0: sure man what are your favorite biohacks
1: Ooh, probably sunrise and sunset been doing that for years because i was living right on lake michigan but oftentimes i'm working for sunset going out for sunrise is a great way to get your circadian rhythm more balanced your cortisol rhythms better um so i love yeah any sunrise viewing or like i guess you'd call it like sun gazing um not super big into the butthole sunning that was popular a few years ago like tanning the taint come on dude i'm not that extreme but i think there's probably some benefit but i think there's a lot of people who never have tanned their taint and they're super happy and healthy without it so it might give you a little boost but and you might feel maybe, maybe the science is
0: going to come around on that
1: and like- i think there is science on it i do think there's benefits i just don't think it's like Vitally necessary. Even like the sunrise, it's not vitally necessary. I think like the biggest biohack is probably respecting your sleep, Mm. prioritizing that over everything and then learning to not care what people think because to be really healthy, to eat healthy, to say I'm not going to have alcohol when my friends or family are having it, that's the biggest biohack ever is just like not giving an F what people think because if you're going to not consume tap water most of the time, if you're going to try to get really clean food, eat at better restaurants say no to some free sugary thing or some free poison someone's giving you, that takes a lot of cojones. And to me, that's the biggest biohack is learning to not care so much if other people are offended by your rejection of their gift or their like love, basically.
0: Did you know we're exposed to exponentially more toxins than our ancestors? Things like plastics, heavy metals, VOCs, mold chemical spills. These are all rampant. We're also seeing a rise in chronic health conditions like mild immune diseases, anxiety, depression, GI issues, brain fog, just to name a few. See, toxins inflame your body and your brain. They alter your immune system. They can tear up your gut lining and throw your hormones completely out of whack. I see so many people with these issues like brain fog, fatigue, anxiety, mood swings, headaches, GI issues, and almost all the time they cannot eliminate toxins out of their body. So what's the best and safest way to get toxins out of the body? It's opening your drainage pathways. Drainage before detox, always. This means that your gut, your liver, your kidneys, your lymph can all move and mobilize toxins that could be keeping you sick. Want to learn exactly how to do this step by step? Check out my drainage formula in the show notes below and enter POD18 for 18% off the course. Now back to the show. I love that. So have you had to gone through that process yourself of what are the barriers you've had to change and put up, you know, as you've grown as a doctor, as a quote, influencer and like helping patients? Because I know you can take a lot of energy. Like, how have you changed the past five years or so with that?
1: Yeah, I think I've had to just get really good at being comfortable saying no, because you get if you're an influencer, like you probably get more people messaging you asking for stuff. You just really have to be really comfortable and kind and compassionate saying no in some way, because at the end of the day, like all we really have is the balance of love and time and you just have to decide what you love doing the most. Maybe it's spending time with your kids. You don't miss out on that. But like when you look back on the end of your life, like what would you regret doing or not doing and then spend the time you precious time you have left doing those things. So for me, it's been saying no to some speaking events or going on lives with people and sort of saying like, I'm going to prioritize my self and what I truly care about and the relationships that I value the most. Because when you grow, there's a lot of people wanting to create relationships with you. And some of those are meaning and others are people like wanting to use you in some way, like people who get popular or get famous. It's like stupid as it is. Instagram is a level of like, like people view that as like a level of fame, like the list celebrity fame or something, you're like, wow, you have like more than 10,000 followers. That's the most I've ever met in my entire life. And you're like, whoa, that's so cool. How'd you do that? Like, you must be more special. And really, we're not. But because people view it that way, they kind of want you to become their friend, or they want to spend more time, or they want to pick your brain, or they might want to grow a social media, a YouTube or Instagram channel the same way. So people will try to get close to you to use you for their own gain. So I think it's just learning to say no and honing in on your intuition of which people really care and which people are in it for themselves, which is like bitter, like a harsh truth. But either way, there's a lot of people like yourself and other people in the movement where like we're philosophically aligned. So those are people we tend to align with are the ones who are like on the same mission to help people, to promote natural health, to promote healing, to promote love. And at the end of the day, like it's Great for doctors like you or me or others to help people online and for those people to have an energy exchange, whether it's like financially or just with their time, like watching, listening to this podcast for this long. That's an amazing gift for people listening or li- who like spend hours of their time caring what Dr. Seth thinks, even if they've never met you in person, right? That's a beautiful thing. But then it's just, I don't know, went on a rant that I didn't know where it was going to end, but I think it's just, it's such a blessing, honestly that we have this ability to impact people. And I think the only reason you and I are there is because we really cared about people. The videos that you had that were really well during the pandemic that were like the kind of like sketch comedy stuff and like the skits, those were so funny. And they were probably coming from like my memes too, of like a place of agitation or frustration with what's going on and how ridiculous this is. And it probably helped us feel better in a way to like get some of that out. Yeah. But it brought so many other people validation. And pleasure and feeling like they weren't crazy and you're just such a kind soul that means well i think people can feel that and in on some level they want that from you they want to be like dr seth they want to be healthy they want to be raising a family they want to they want the knowledge that you have they want the composure that you have and yeah it's pretty cool in a way you're a role model chosen by the people rather than paid for it was like organically grown by the people
0: yeah, wild times, man. Really wild times. If you were to like take someone in early 1900s and plop them <laughs> here today with like social media influencers and like all this stuff, they would just be completely mind blown. I think. I think they, they sure. would have thought, like, hey, there's flying cars, there's like all the cool stuff. Like, no, we're just glued to our phones all day. Right. But that's just, that's what's happening.
1: Yep. The phone is now our new brewer.
0: Yeah. What other non-negotiables make up your day or weekly routines that have led you to live a a healthy, fulfilled life?
1: I wish I had something more profound. I really don't. It's just like sleep and eating. If I fast for too long I start losing weight, it's just sleep and eating. I could do pretty much anything. I could be happy like anywhere, in any place, doing whatever, but it's probably just sleep and eating. If I don't get good protein in, that's a non-negotiable because I will get hungry, hangry, irritable. So for like balancing my blood sugar, I try to get at least 20, 30 grams of protein in that meal.
0: So what's your take on the ideal diet for people?
1: For me, the ideal diet is, if I had to like generalize it, it's probably a diet that is fairly regular. So it's not, it's consistent in its timing. And it's probably one that's a bigger breakfast, lunch, smaller dinner, and one that's balancing the blood sugar. So for me, like the most important two biochemical dietary things are getting enough water and balancing your blood sugar. So that means less simple carbohydrates, less added sugar, because most Americans are just way over consuming simple sugars. But I think if someone can get 20, 30 grams of protein per meal, healthy fats, not being afraid of protein, not being afraid of fats, not even being afraid of carbohydrates, but just going towards the healthier complex carbs, more fruits, more veggies. But I think trying to prioritize protein three times a day. That's probably my sort of like general ideal stuff with less labels, more natural, more ancient. The longer stuff has been around, probably the better if it's processed, packaged, highly sugared, stay away. Do you get
0: people into fasting at all?
1: I do. Yeah. Ease them in sort of like working out. You're not going to go to CrossFit if you're 75 years old and haven't been to a gym since you're 20. But you're not going to put someone on like a three week long water fast right away unless there's a urgent demand where like they need to do that. But I do use fasting from time to time. I'm not super big on it because most of my patients, when they're new patients, they're generally in some sort of adrenal thyroid distress. Their hormones are whacked. Their autonomic nervous system, they're super stressed out. They're either depressed or anxious or mildly depressed or mildly anxious. They're usually not sleeping super well. So for me, it's just getting their blood sugar stable, which means fasting is going to put them into more of a stress state. That happens a lot to menstruating women still having their periods. So for those women, when they do intermittent fasting or prolonged fasts, sometimes they don't get into the fat-burning metabolism. They start breaking down muscle or other tissue that they shouldn't be. And they go into a little bit more of a high adrenaline, high cortisol state. So sometimes it feels good, but their periods start getting really wonky. Because when your blood sugar is off, oftentimes then your hormones start going off as well because you start depending more on cortisol and adrenaline to balance you.
0: What are like the three, would you say, the three biggest conditions or symptoms that people come in with that you are finding either through tests or through symptoms in most people?
1: Honestly, see, I'm seeing a huge surge in women with irregular periods. It's either menopause, basically sex, female sex hormones that are way off the masculinization of the younger generation from either birth control or PCOS, high testosterone, prolactin, that's through the roof. So I'm seeing a lot of like, Masculization of women and issues with menopause for just like general female hormones, but I'm seeing a lot of low adrenal, low testosterone and lots of gut issues, gut inflammation, et cetera.
0: So do you think they're all connected? And, and then what do you think's driving like particularly the adrenal issues?
1: Yeah, I think for sure they're all connected. The liver processes inflammation from the gut, It also processes hormones. So that can affect things if the thyroid is a little bit low or the adrenals are a bit low, then you're not going to make necessarily as many digestive enzymes or juices to break things down. They all are intricately connected. They're definitely all connected, but I think the adrenal issues are there for sure. I see it most from people who are overworking, not sleeping, and relying on drugs to get through the day. And usually that's oh, going like to be- 90% of people? 90% of people. America runs on Dunkin' and there's a Starbucks on every corner. So it's 90% of people like overworking, not enough rest or sleep, need like at least nine hours of some sort of restful activity a day. And then they're using caffeine to wake up and they're using alcohol, marijuana to fall asleep at night. So that's not good, you're saying? Definitely not good to depend on a drug to function for your day to day life.
0: So where do we get off track here, man? Like how is America... So just completely jacked and away from our foundational center in terms of health and spirituality and all this stuff.
1: I would say it's probably based on the corporate or political structures of the country. It's not necessarily true that like people in working for the government or in the government are like these all corrupt evil people. I think the way that capitalistic structures work is that the companies that are publicly traded have to choose profit over health. And so whether that's the pharmaceutical industry, whether that's the agriculture industry, whether that's every individual like corporate business, if you don't choose what's good for the stockholders and the profit, then you get kicked off the executive board and you get replaced by somebody who will choose what's good for the stockholders because that's how the company is designed to work. So you could blame capitalism, but I think it's more so we just need like capitalism with principles, values, and ethics. And so people are so... Not principled that they're willing to just find someone or like the rest. If the whole executive board said, Hey, we have principles and we're going to be a company that's choosing profit, but we're still going to value not destroying humanity or our employees, then it wouldn't be a problem. But most companies say, Hey, we noticed and like research is showing in the eighties and nineties that if we give workers free coffee at these big corporate institutions, that they work better. They're less hired. They get more work done. They're more efficient. So let's just give them as much coffee as they want. They're going to work better we're going to make more profit and they didn't realize that might not be good for someone's adrenal or hormone balance so at the end of the day it's it goes back to that root cause of probably choosing profit over people
0: and then i agree with you on the capitalism I, I feel like it's you can't just throw out capitalism because some people are c- corrupt in some of these <laughs> corporations right so what do you tell someone who come in who's completely burnt out they're stressed they don't like their job they're eating like shit they're not
1: sleeping they're completely disconnected from nature. Where do you start? Depends. Some people I'll throw everything at the wall and be like, the good news is we know what to do. The bad news is everything you're doing is wrong. And so <laughs> I'm like, where do you want to start? Here's like 10 possible ways. Why don't you like pick one or two and then we'll work on the other over time. So I just tell them like, everything you're doing is wrong. You're eating wrong. You're drinking wrong. You're sleeping wrong. You're thinking is wrong. We just posture's wrong. You're not moving your body. You're not hydrating. You're like overdosing on alcohol, caffeine, marijuana, whatever it is. That's fun sometimes. Other times that's too overwhelming for people with anxiety. So I'll just say, hey, why don't we start with a B vitamin or an adrenal supplement and an adaptogen, maybe like a three to five supplement protocol to get them feeling better. And then sometimes that's enough to motivate them to let go of some of the bad habits. It's like general habit stacking. See if you just get them to do two push-ups, they're going to probably want to do 10, 15, 20. Right. So I'll just give them like the baby step of, Hey, just, Hey, what can you do? You want to like take these supplements, maybe cut from four cups of caffeine down to one, maybe I'll go to decaf or half calf in the afternoon, whatever it takes to step them off the ladder a little bit at a time.
0: Nice man. Are you doing musculoskeletal stuff? acupuncture or chiro or
1: yeah i still do chiro and acupuncture so usually i have like our new patient visit half hour follow-ups 15 minutes is usually like talking to the patient about what's been going on in their life less than since the last time i've seen them and then the last 15 is doing some muscle testing some stress clearing do an adjustment or two and then acupuncture if they're willing to do it so pretty much everybody gets some sort of like body work or acupuncture and a pill doesn't fix people for a whole year I wish. It's really hard to do it, even in a half hour. But if I could have the magic pill, it'd probably be we'd be billionaires by now.
0: Oh, for sure, dude.
1: Yeah, Maybe we need to start working on that. Yeah. I wonder that what we'd put this. in it. I don't know. It'd probably be like, yeah, magical drugs that aren't on the label. Just called our proprietary blend of some sort of like adrenal stimulant.
0: I like that. I yeah. like that. Mindset wise, because I know you you go into this with, with people too. What are you seeing like, People's mental state right now, post pandemic stuff, brink of World War III, financial collapse, all this stuff. Where are you seeing people at right now?
1: They're mostly in that headspace of like, they feel like they're on the Titanic and there's nothing they can do. They mm-hmm. feel like America's economy, we're over borrowing, we're in debt, the financial collapse, like they're they see it coming and they don't know how to prepare. They don't know what to do. They're not sure how to really feel about it yet. So there's a lot of impending doom, I would say in people and so it's a lot of anxiety but i tell people look if we're on the titanic you might as well be one of the musicians or like sing or dance with the musicians you might as well be like someone trying to build a raft yourself because you don't know if it's gonna crash or sink in an hour or uh, 10 years we don't know for sure we just know that w- most civilizations that are the world economic superpower in the last millennia they have a 250 year rise and fall and it was the Netherlands, then it was England and their colonies, and now it's America doing the thing where then they overborrow. There's a lot of political division and gender confusion and like world conflict when the economic superpower starts declining and there's a big power grab. So there's a civil war or a major world war or some sort of big shit gap. That's devastating for humanity. So it's okay. Us or our kids or our grandkids are going to have to deal with that. So I think it's just like being grateful that we've had it really good for the first half of our lives. And just knowing, okay, I guess it's unfortunately like time to fight, time to stick up for what we care about, time to be a mover and a shaker the second half of our lives. Yeah, and I think everyone's at born at a unique period of
0: time for a reason too. And I think nothing different about this generation coming in. And yeah, I mean, we could be to the point where nothing happens or it's not as bad as we thought. And like, shit, you don't want to waste so many years of your life worrying about that stuff. You could just be prepared as healthy as you can be, create and cultivate an amazing mindset, learn about other financial ways to be prepared, and then roll with it, ma'am. I like it. It's so interesting about the the gender confusion stuff at the end of the empires. And I read into that a little bit. It's wild. It's just crazy.
1: Super wild. I don't know if it's just things are so good that we don't have anything to worry about. So we start creating our own issues or how that plays out. Do you have any idea like... Why that ends up happening? No, I, I, that could be it. Or intentionally,
0: I've heard of people in the Chinese government doing that intentionally to their own people to create confusion and disconnection from God and just looking for other things outside of them as a way forward. Yeah. So who knows, though? I really don't know. But it's just fascinating to connect all those dots with all these different colonies over the years. It's pretty wild. You know what I see clinically in blood work and tests that we've run, most people are severely deficient in certain nutrients and vitamins, some of those being vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin E, uh, cortisol is going all over the place. I see a lot of adrenal, thyroid issues, mitochondrial issues, and a lot of this can be due to high toxin load, stress, the food that you're eating, things like that, and it's affecting people's brain your cognition your immune system if you were struggling with something like this and you don't like taking a ton of supplements that's why the girls at core formulas came up with a daily basics cream powder that you can add to your morning coffee that's how i love to use it but you can put it in tea yogurt or any other food actually i love it it gives me nutrients good fats for my brain and my cells and you can add it to basically anything So check out the Daily Basics cream powder at shopcoreformulas.com and enter Doctor Seth 15 for 15% off your first order. So what other emotional health pieces are you helping people with?
1: Yeah, I'd say that like anxiety and depression about the state of the world is big.
0: And then how much of that impacts people's health? I guess I should have led
1: with that. Yeah, I'd say it's huge because if they, the biggest thing I think is loss of hope. And I'm seeing, and lack of fun. People just forgot how to have fun in community. Less community, less physical touch, less fun that people are having. They're just stuck in this numbed out, stay at home, no idea how to build community or go back to church or do things. There's people who are like just now getting out of their house and taking off their face coverings and stuff. So I think a lot of people are just like, holy cow, I just lost or had stolen from me three years of my life. And so a lot of people get in that pretty dark place of the state of the world or the anxiety about what's coming up in the future. I think they don't prioritize health because if you don't see like a great future for yourself, why would you invest in your future health and future body? So I see a lot of people where their mental health makes them go towards comfort foods, go toward numbing it with alcohol or marijuana. Maybe they'll use caffeine to push through their job they don't really love. The pandemic also made a lot of people question their career choice. And so a lot of people are like, this is like way too much work. If I'm going to die someday, I'd rather do something that I love or that's like a lot easier or get to spend more time doing fun stuff with my family, whatever it is. Maybe they want to work from home. But I think a lot of times people's internal stress make them go towards the substances that aren't good for them, make them go towards the simple carbohydrates or sugar or comfort, creature comfort food. So I see that affecting people's guts. They end up a little more toxic with their livers, their hormones are off. And so they often use those things or they'll use more screen time, Netflix, binging, etc. They just block out some of the pain and suffering at night. And the antidote is probably for them to actually confront some of those emotional issues and take time without anything, without screen time, without substances, without people around them where they can really like introspect and come to be more at peace with their own selves and their own feeling. I'm big into that myself
0: personally. Like I love getting out into the woods and that's yeah. where I can just unload all this energy and I can reground and recenter. I don't know how people survive without doing that. I I know I may be very unique, but I literally if I don't do that, I'm so overwhelmed with just the shit in the world. And mm-hmm. do you feel the same way? Am I just crazy?
1: No, I just have to do the same thing. I need to go for a walk in the woods or the forest or like a big park just with no fake lighting or screens or anything. i just like not talking to anybody, just looking at the clouds or trees. Or It definitely calms me down, calms my patients down. It's just a good way to really reset and process everything that's going on right now. Oh man,
0: I love it. You mentioned we talked adrenals for a minute. You also talked gut. What are you seeing gut issues like are you seeing gut symptoms with that or it like symptoms elsewhere
1: and then what are you doing to help people with gut problems i think since we've been in practice a lot of gut issues it's somewhat diet induced somewhat medication or like birth control pill induced with like that creating a lot of yeast overgrowth in people too much sugar creating yeast issues but i've always seen major gut issues and i'm just like stress tends to make any gut issue worse A lot of people with anxiety know, oh yeah, I get anxiety and I can't poop, or I get anxiety and I just poop instantly. You see both sides of it happening, depending on which way their nervous system goes, the more sympathetic or parasympathetic kind of reaction. But I think it's really interesting because the level of gut issues that I've seen has increased during the pandemic and it's been harder to get rid of people's problems. Mm-hmm. and a lot of that goes back to what we were just talking about with where people are good for a period of time and then the stress builds up and then they go back to their like creature foods or they go back to the gluten or dairy they know is like really hard on their gut and so it's trying to get people to manage their stress while co-managing co-treating the gut issue and then at the same time they have to not be a hundred percent like one way or the other if they know it's going to be too hard for them because they don't want to give someone like a protocol that they can only do for a month and then they're going to go right back to where they were before i want to do something that's like easy enough or doable enough for them to do for years because a lot of people are looking for like quick fix like i do this protocol the cleanse the fast and i'm better but we got to make some like longer term habits for a lot of people right we've been so conditioned to again going seven minute visit here's a
0: pill see you in a year quick but i think building foundations for health takes a while but once you build those foundations you can stay better and you can feel better for longer periods of time. So you put in the hard work in the beginning, it's totally worth it. And that's where functional medicine, they front loads all that. Instead of kicking the can down the road until it's like, oh shit, you are so sick. We're going to have to just put you in the hospital for the last two years of your life. You're going to spend $300,000. Hey, let's take a tiny fraction of that. Let's get you healthy and let's keep you healthy.
1: Wow. Now, there's a thought like what a concept, what a concept. It wouldn't be as good for the insurance or pharmaceutical companies, probably. It's very true. But
0: yeah,
1: maybe eventually there'll be like a well-meaning insurance company, but they might go out of business.
0: Yeah, I know James Maskell is trying to come out with something similar to that. And I don't know, it would make sense to have a bunch of people that were really interested in health to limit their risk, too. But hey, what do I know? I don't know. Before I wrap up here, this is the Uncensored Truth podcast, and we get to say whatever we want on here. And one of the questions I ask everyone is, what is one censored truth or idea that has been wiped off the planet, deleted, thrown away, you think people need to know about?
1: The one that always gets deleted is when I say that they profit off your ignorance. And a lot of people take offense to that when I say like, you know, certain doctors profit over your ignorance, that gets censored all the time because people, patients don't like hearing it and doctors don't like hearing it either, but it is somewhat true. And generally any good business or good doctor is trying to put themselves out of business or trying to make it so their patients no longer need them. Like dosere means to teach or to educate. What you're doing is trying to make your patients learn more. We're all ignorant about a lot of different things, and even about our own bodies, we don't have full awareness of what's going on. So like when you see a practitioner, you're trying to learn more about your body be less ignorant. And the more you can learn, the less that they can profit off you or take advantage of you. The more you learn about health, about what true healing is, about, hey, I don't need 500 supplements, maybe I only need a dozen or two. or maybe I only need two or three for this type of thing. The more experience you have, the more education and awareness you build, The more mature you are, the more you can take care of yourself rather than depending on somebody else to take care of you. When you're dependent on someone else to save you or take care of you or parent you, then you end up losing a lot of money, which is why America is going bankrupt right now, because they don't know what true health is. And so they're a little ignorant on how to achieve health, to prevent illness, and to maintain health. So there's a huge Amount of profit that's being made off the sheep. Man,
0: I think it was Mark Twain who said, it's easy to lie to someone. It's harder to convince someone they've been lied to. Yep. In the past three years, a bunch of people have woken up to the corruption and tyranny and all these different systems. But there's still some where it's hard to look in the mirror and be like, my whole life, my doctor, the TV politician has not told me the truth. That's a hard one to grasp.
1: It's really tough for people. But it's, it's like, not necessarily like that they did it out of malintent, but they just don't know what they don't know. Devin Verona says, it's like when people know what you know, they'll do what you do. And if medical doctors knew what you knew or what I knew, they wouldn't do what they do.
0: I would hope. Cause yeah. man,
1: yeah, I would, I would hope. How, did, I mean, so how like,
0: did you get into this? By the way, how did you get into, into natural health care?
1: Natural health. I had a really bad concussion when I was like, nine years old in fourth grade, and I lost half of my IQ and most of my short-term memory for nine months. Went Whoa. to 20 plus different specialists, had MRIs, CAT scans, sleep studies, DEG, like evals, all the tests done. Couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I went from a grade ahead to a grade behind in school. Just didn't feel like myself. And then went to a chiropractor when I was sick from school one day. My mom just like brought me with to her appointment and he, she was basically like, hey, can you look at my kid? He had a concussion. He's been real messed up ever since. He was the first person to feel my head, and like my C1 was super jammed, and I had a dent in my head the size of a golf ball. And my cranial sutures were just like super jammed. You could actually feel the dent from where the sutures were jammed. So he did cranial work and lightly adjusted C1 without a full HVLA. He just basically massaged C1 back into place, released some of the muscular tension, did cranial work. And an hour later, I was completely back to normal again.
0: I didn't know that story. That's wild.
1: Yeah, it was nuts. So it's I funny. was kind of like a Cairo miracle child. Yeah, seriously, that's BJ Palmer type stuff.
0: DD yeah. Palmer. They write yeah, books was, about stuff like that. Yeah, it was great. That's wild, man. So I had a lot of like water ski accidents and <clears> head <throat> traumas from sports growing up too. And the same thing, C1. And I was having vertigo and migraines and all these issues. And that was one of the biggest things for me too.
1: That's yep. I got into it. it is the most important vertebra.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Dr. Brad, thanks so much for coming on today, man. It's been fun just hanging.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I always love
0: just chatting and see you on IG and tell people where they can find you and what you're up to.
1: Yeah. All my like links and stuff can find it on Instagram. It's Dr. Bradley Campbell on Instagram and just up to trying to keep entertaining and educating people.
0: Love it, dude.
1: Keep it going. Keep on keeping on and changing the world. We thanks. appreciate
0: you. And thanks everyone for listening. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks again, Doc. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for joining us in this week's podcast. You know, we need more brave people like you who can share this message of hope and truth to a world that's completely upside down. If this podcast resonated with you, I'd ask you to share it with a friend or even better, share it on socials and tag me. For more resources on natural health, freedom merch, and my mission, check out Doctor Seth Gerlock. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode that comes out and leave us a review so we can spread these uncensored truths with as many people as possible. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you.